0: Good judgment comes from experience and experience comes from bad judgment, right? So when you fail as much as I fail, at some point you start to recognize, you know, success leaves clues, right? And at some point you just realize the mistake is an investment if you make it once and you fix it. It's an expense if you just keep making it over and over again.
1: less stress more time more money welcome to the cash flow contractor interview
2: episode
1: 160 it. wow well, like and i participated in at least 20 of those oh <laughs> hey i talked to that fraud lady uh and uh about client but She's more than willing to get on again. She said, Yeah, I never saw that. And I said, I know. I said, We were looking for it, but we, anyway, she said, Yeah. Wow. We She'd recorded, really...
2: maybe we had issues with the recording or something. And we, oh, I,
1: I absolutely, she remembered it. I remember I remember it. it she too. used to be with the FBI. Yeah. And, and, but we had all those screw ups back then, remember? Yeah. And, I think it was one of the first ones. And they were, it wasn't in person. It, it was, it was online. No, it was online.
2: Yeah. I think that was before we were on Riverside. We were on Zencaster if I remember. And oh yeah,
1: it was I think Ethan was doing it. Remember they were trying to
0: match up and it was coming in chunks or so.
2: Yeah. Anyway, she would be really really good.
0: Okay.
1: Chris, do you have fraud in your company?
0: Uh, I have experienced fraud in my company. Okay. I don't How many employees it, do but, you have? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I I did have uh an HR person. 30 days after she started with us, I was fortunate. I got clipped for $21,000. Uh over the next three or four months before we caught it. But I have friends, um, one right now, who's finding over seven years, almost $700,000 was taken. And there was a well-respected woman. This has just made headlines this past month. Um, she's not with the same company she left three years ago, but the, her old company is now suing her for embezzling $2.2 million. Um, which she's claiming not guilty. So that'll be an interesting thing to watch.
1: Wow. I, listeners understand, because I've said it before, but one of my companies, bookkeeper took 340000 oh. And I'm very attentive to things, but I wasn't attentive enough. Uh, we actually got the money back. Uh, but it, when I delivered that to the detectives, to, what you do is you call out a police officer. They come out and file a report. The, the guy told me, he goes, hey, 340000 we're not even going to ever get to this. He said, if you want this prosecuted, you have to lay out the debits and the credits and the timeline with no doubt and we'll pursue it. And so I did. Wow. And uh, she went to jail.
2: That's crazy. And yeah. Well, you know, speaking of fraud, uh, for someone that works with po- uh, on podcasts with both of you, um, <laughs> I need to talk about the banging on the desk. Yeah, we do. Just in the first minute, listeners are going to be like, man, what's that banging noise? Martin clicking his pen at the desk, Chris making his point, and banging the table. Once I, like, I get to, once I I get the, to the, throw you guys into the Once
0: west. I get the Talahawks going, you know, look out. <laughs> you know, there may be debris flying around, Khalil, you know. Oh, that. man.
2: This is exciting. I, I'm glad to have both of you on. I uh, always enjoy talking to to each of you. But it's unique that we get both of you in the room, and the first time that you guys get to meet in person, I have a feeling Chris right. knows a lot more about Martin than Martin knows about Chris, because Chris, you've listened to us for a while now, absolutely, uh, even like pre-pandemic, I think. So
0: yeah, big big fan, and I'll, I'll tell you, hopefully, as we get into our discussion, I'll I'll share why. I mean, I I would I knew we were going to be rebuilding from, you know, from from ashes, and. Uh, I just found it very comforting—not just the topics, the cadence and the style. I mean, I agreed with everything you were talking about, but um, as somebody that was coming back as a business owner, and I was much more focused as an owner working on the company, not an employee working in the company. So everything I was hearing resonated as the guy that was leading the rebuilding. And so, super grateful, guys. Seriously, for all the information.
2: Yeah. Information shared. Well, I can only imagine well, the. Glad rest
0: to your hear audiences. that.
2: Yeah, amazing how that happens. Whenever your whole business gets shut down, all of a sudden you have time to work on your business.
0: And I love uh, your self-deprecating maybe, maybe. humor. Um, you know, when Martin goes, "We've 160 episodes. We've 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 acquired tens of listeners, right?" And you go, well, "Come on, I I know there's more than that." Yeah,
1: <laughs> you know something that you said just there. You know, coming back and working on the business and the end of business. I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but I'm sure that you've known that forever. Yes. That people should work on and not in, but you get pulled away. My dad, my father, uh, had a quote he used all the time from Robert Frost, who was walking down a street in New York City after a party with a woman named Elizabeth Pibbety. She was a Manhattan socialite. And she walked into a tree and knocked her over backwards. And he knelt down beside her and said, Elizabeth, didn't you see the tree? And she said, yes, Robert, I saw it, but I didn't realize it. Mm. Right. The point being, you knew that all this something th- there's that old Chinese saying when the student is ready, the teacher appears. Well, the teacher's always been there. You just didn't realize it. But then something like pandemic comes along and says, hey, pay attention. Realize this, buddy. And so, anyway, well, I think some of the things came to mind.
2: I think some of the things that we're going to talk about today will probably resonate with contractors because, you know, you you are a contractor in a sense. We'll get to that, Chris. But very different uh, as far as what the pandemic was like for a lot of our listeners. Business really ramped up. But I've had more calls in the last couple of months from contractors about things slowing down and not feeling as scheduled out for three, four, six months in advance. and maybe ready to get started doing some more marketing and stuff like that. And so you're kind of on the opposite side of that, where you're getting inundated with calls now because you had that slowdown. So I think it'll be interesting to hear some of the things that you did during that downtime and what some of our listeners might be able to do if things do slow down for them as people start to go on vacations and use that dis- disposable income on other things uh, that home improvement projects or whatever it is. So um, it, it should be interesting to hear some of those strategies and. That's one of the main things I want to get to. But at first I want to talk about your business as a whole and maybe giving our audience of contractors who are used to working on, you know, a physical location that's going to be there for decades, hopefully, uh, centuries, maybe, and give them a little taste of what it's like to work on something that is there for a week at most, <laughs> uh, cause that's really what your business is like. You build something temporarily, right? Absolutely.
0: Um, First of all, and, and again, I want thank you guys for uh inviting me to join this. Um, love the show, loved it, love this discussion. So, you know, in, in a few words, my my company, my parent company, which is called Trade Show Supply, we design and build exhibits and in all the things that go in the furniture, the A V, um, the graphic messaging. We design and build those for trade shows, corporate events, and other business events. So to Khalil, to your point, usually that's for a temporary environment. We do find ourselves doing a a little bit of work in the permanent installation, museums, corporate lobby stuff. But for the most part, um, we build portable branch offices, uh, that are going to be up for two to five days at a, at a national trade show or a sales meeting or a business conference. um, I've got guys in four locations in Orlando and three locations in Las Vegas. Just today, one of the events has been two days to move in for a four-hour event, and then it all comes down. So, um, but this is a a big brand company that is bringing in all their salespeople. They had just made a sizable acquisition of another competitor, and so they they want to they want to do a show and tell for those people at a at a one day conference. So um, this is really one of the things we learned in pandemic was uh, a lot of opportunity for us, we've learned is not on the trade show floor. Khalil, I think you and I talked about this. In June of 2020, um, Major League Soccer was sort of relaunching. And so they came to us and said, we're gonna take over a couple of Disney hotels 10 teams we need 10 training rooms inside the hotel uh we need 14 media rooms um and by the way you're the only guy in town that has 850 portable walls um they walked into my office the agency on a tuesday and the setup started on monday so wow Wow. um and that was the
2: bubble-esque like that you remember the
0: nba lebron james all that we we did some stuff for the nba but um so you know earlier at the at the break um martin was asking me you know what what are the kinds of things you did during the pandemic we were looking for a pivot our industry you know everybody was running to creating acrylic ppp protective um d- uh components shields for restaurants and banks and uh we had a couple of bids over for the the, the hockey rink over in for the tampa bay lightning um other people were that that make fabric graphics were making masks um uh, we we got a ton of calls from the hospitals for temporary uh you know medical and covid check-in rooms and screening rooms and you know in the end none of it was right for us but um i think i forget where the where the, the expression came from but they say even a drowning man will grab the blade of a sword to try and save himself we saw a lot of companies on our industry, just rushing to do whatever. And, uh, yeah. we never really did find a good fit other than things like the occasional, uh, major league soccer event and that kind of thing. So, yeah. um, so anyway, well, that's what hear we that. do. We're now, good news is we're now back and active. I like yeah. to say we're back and busy, although we're not clean and pretty. Uh, <laughs> we still have all those disruptions, but designing and building trade show exhibits and all the services that go with that: the project managing, the build work, the transportation services to and from the event venue. We have a division that does the labor, uh, what we call the installation and dismantle service, setting it up and taking it down. So, uh, prior to pandemic, guys, that was the majority of what we did. We did what we call I and D, install and dismantle labor, for builders all over the world that were coming to a footprint in about twelve U.S. cities. Um, Labor's a tough market. Seven of those cities require union contracts. So imagine you're having to fulfill uh, and expand, you know i I have a core group of four to six guys in every city we worked in, but a big show like a Conag Con Expo comes in, and I've got to expand to fifty guys for the amount of work that we have. And everybody's expanding. So uh, that's a period, and I'm sure some of your contractor listeners can appreciate when you've got a lot of work going on. We deem those days, bring a friend to work day and uh, bring a friend's grandmother to work day. <laughs> um, but um, we, we get those peaks, but that's, that's a big part of the systems we've had to create is how to expand and contract that labor funnel as the work. And, and a lot of trade shows are seasonal, right? So yeah, um, we've got to be ready for that. So, But yeah, yeah uh, so building IND labor, I would say post-pandemic, we have made the choice uh, to move up market and work with fewer, I I would say for us, it's better customers. Um, we want to be more in service to fewer, uh, partners. And so, um, so we're doing a lot more turnkey build work rather than just the labor only work. And it's been wonderful. It's for us, it's been a complete reversal of fortune, uh, since pandemic. And, uh, I listen to your show avidly because I don't want to go back to the way it was before. I want to keep moving forward in a, in, in a profitable way. So,
2: yeah, well, I I think what will be helpful for listeners to understand is the different challenges that you face, even though you've got crews, you're building things, you've got customers that have needs, it's a little bit different and unique what the challenges are that you face. I think something that Martin and I have talked about a lot on this uh, show is the value of timing with your projects and getting things on a schedule and focusing on, you know, days to build and trying to lower that timeline a lot. For you, it's like you have a deadline and you cannot miss that deadline. Yeah. Uh, The, the, the impact of missing that deadline is a lost customer and paying back money and all sorts of things, I'm sure. But talk about, I think the main challenges I want to hear about are the, the value of timing for you guys and how you, how you make timing work value of the order of operations, what happens if you don't do things in the right order uh, and what that may look like for the customer and then how you avoid kind of that scope creep as well. Um, because the when when things change on the job for you, it can really completely ruin the, the event. Um, I know that you've got hookups to power inside there. And if you don't do it at a certain time, and if they want to make a change to whatever, it it, it it can make a huge difference. So Talk about some of those challenges that you face with your customers and your projects that you work on.
0: No, great, great conversation. So, um, you know, thinking about some of the contractors listening right now, if you're building a pool in somebody's yard or you're doing a major landscape contract and you need dry weather, right? You know, I'm sure your customer doesn't like it if you have to push some of the work back a few days, but they can understand that and hopefully they show you grace and patience. When a, sh- when a trade show or a business event is taking place and they've bought out a hotel, like the Wynn Hotel in Las Vegas, or, or the event is just happening, you've got to make it work. So um, I will, I don't, I'm sure every contractor in every sector um, has some variables. Um, I, I've, we've actually tracked this. When we're building what we call an island exhibit, so you know, smaller smaller structures we build are in a 10 by 10 space, 10 by 20, 10 by anything is called an inline exhibit. An island is 20 by 20, 30 by 40, 50 by 80 space. So we, by the way, the industry refers to me, my company, as an exhibitor appointed contractor. So there is a general contractor who's responsible for moving in. They get a bare concrete mm-hmm. convention center that, let's say, Las Vegas, a million square foot hall. And they have to return it that way 14 days from when they take possession of it, right? So they pre-mark the floor and they set up the pipe. They move all the freight in and out. If I have 10 projects at that, I have to work within the, the boundaries of the general contractor, but I'm the exhibitor pointed contractor for those defined spaces, and I'm responsible for everything there, except there are some services like electrical like the material handling of the freight, like um, any plumbing or, or water work, that's exclusive to the general contractor. So I'd say one of the things that challenges us, Khalil, is um, we average between seven and 15 variables on every project that we have little to no direct control over. I cannot control how quickly the union electricians at Las Vegas convention center show up or how long they take to hang the 10 lights. My guys can hang them, wire it and hide all the wiring in 90 minutes. They make take two days. So if we don't have a, if we don't have everything staged to really give us every advantage for those sort of what we call the known unknowns. Okay. Then, um, it, it, the cost overruns and the domino effect can start costing money everywhere else. I'll give you another example. Um, we always ask a client, so a client we're building for, you've ordered, um, you have a hanging sign that flies above your, your exhibit space. And an exclusive service is that the general contractor does the rigging. Their team comes over and has to apply the sign. You need to have put a special, form and an order and, and get that paid for, hopefully prior to the show, so they have that scheduled. If you wait and don't send that order in until we show up on day one of a four-day move-in, you get in line, you find out you are number 137 in line, and so you've insisted that my team shows up on Friday morning, straight time, the, the move is Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And we are, uh, okay, and uh, let's just say this is at Mandalay Bay. And the way rigging is done there is through boom lifts. Well, those booms have to come into the space. Your structure is going to be built. So we really can't start building until the, the sign is flown. Because if we build the structure first, the boom can't necessarily get in and position the sign the right way. So here's an example. Just not filling out the form and getting that in early can crew. Okay. So now we're going to have to cut the crew because I can't work today because we're going to wait all day for, for, for a boom lift. And now the crews, by the way, the crew gets paid under a union contract, a four hour minimum. So you're paying for 16 man hours for guys to do nothing. And they go home now they got to show up Saturday or Sunday if it takes two days. And now you're paying time and a half because that's what the contract rate is. Right? So this is an. I'm giving you one little snapshot of, of some of the variables we have. So to your point, if we don't have ironclad planning or systems in place to make sure we're capturing that, I know you guys are big systems guys. And I, you know, the phrase I've always used is systems manage people and managers manage systems. If you don't have a system, then managers, then people manage people. And you know what happens, Clue. There's a long line that shows up at your door or Martin's door at my door. And ultimately I become the problem because the bottom, the bottleneck shows up, you know, here. And for those listeners, I used to think, you know, I've, I've got some young people, you know, I say the word system and they think it's a software. You know, well, we all, you know, we all use that for efficiency. A system is not software. A system is just an agreed upon method of how you do business with each other in your own company. Right? So. Certainly we can agree on how the baton gets passed from from design to estimating to project management to then back to the client for review to then back in for changes to be made and ultimately reestimate it and when it's finalized the baton is then we have an area that we call handover circle so you know there's a whole lot of activity during what we call the pursuit and solicitation phase of a project and then once we get it done and we collect all the data so we can have a a clean order that goes through handover circle into production. Now it goes into production, but that's what we're, we want clean orders going through production. So Martin, I know, I know Martin's gotta be, I'm picturing Martin's leg like a puppy under the table right now going, I got to get in on this.
1: (laughs) No, no, I, every word you speak is gold. Uh, For our listeners who you mentioned there are 15,
0: I think, variables. um,
1: very so we well. so, have
0: little to no direct control over.
1: I'm thinking of a guy right now who built <laughs> swimming pools, has for two or three years, is his contract and his checklists have it. I said, look, I don't know everything. His first contract for a pool didn't mention fences, sprinkler systems, or gas lines. Well, guess who? Repaired the fence, repaired the sprinkler system, and repaired the gas lines, right? Yeah. Well, now they all mention that. So his contract and his uh, checklists are growing with experience. Absolutely. And, and you've wasted that experience if you don't capture it. That's, that's what I was after. How the heck did you do that?
0: Well, you know, the, I'm, I'm sure you've heard this expression, but I'm living proof of it. Good judgment comes from experience, Martin, and experience comes from bad judgment, right? So when, when you fail as much as I fail, at some point, you start to, you start to recognize, um, you know, success leaves clues, right? So you start to recognize, um, what you have to do. And you just, you just don't want to make the mistakes. I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fan and student of listening to, you know, sales trainers. Like I go, you know, going back to Tom Hopkins and Brian Tracy and Zig Ziglar. I'm a fan of, of organizational, um, systems experts. And at some point you just realize, um, the mistake is an investment if you make it once and you fix it. It's it's a, it's an expense if you just keep making it over and over again, right? So we we did begin to write things down, and that was the key, right? Because by somebody once told me that um, anything in writing is an agreement, and agreements prevent disagreements. And so when I put something in writing, and I start sharing this with um, employees and and supervisors and managers. Now we've, we've got an agreement of the way we're going to be doing things. And, um, you know, I, I, now that I'm out and I do some speaking in our industry as a, uh, as a incoming association president, and I talk to a lot of young people who are starting in this industry. So if you, if you build five exhibits a month or a quarter, um, you know, if, you know, you're like the farmer's insurance guy, you know, a thing or two, cause you've seen a thing or two. But when you build 55 projects a month in the same cities, experiencing the same variables, you really start to zero in and and know where to make your investment um, in pre-planning. Because so I've just accepted, Martin, that the type of business I am, right? So I'm I'm in the fulfillment business for others. So um, I'm accepting the risk. And, and so when they outsource and, and give us a project to, to build, um, even when we move into the show, I've, we've had, we've had, uh, exhibit house partners look at us and they see these rolling stacks of ladders and job boxes and they go, oh my gosh, you, this is all for my project. And we go, no, 50% of this is for your project. The other 50%, we hope we're not going to need. Right. But hopefully you never have to find out how good we really are. Right, because we've you know we look like the 82nd Airborne when we're moving in for a show, and by the way, if we're doing eight or ten or twenty projects at a show like a Con, Ag Con Expo, we really move everything out there, and it's even that is not enough in a city like for us. We're now at a, of a volume size where I've got to have a shop within ten or fifteen minutes because at night, you know, when somebody ships something in and two. Broke. yeah acrylic wings get cracked or broken we've got to run back and we have to have that in inventory we have to have saws that can cut it to precision yeah. and anyway it's um so how how we all those mistakes right lead up to um start to document some things and um by the way i'm going to share with you right now this is where i'm at i am loving um a recent series you guys did called the nine essentials of an organized business and so it's, it's got me re- I I know what a vision is, as is. I know what a mission is, but I, I, I was one of those guys that looked for the really robust three-paragraph vision that covers every scenario yeah. that says, yeah, we really are all things to all people. But you know what? Here's what I can now say, and I can say it in a way that my employees could even memorize it. My vision is to build a company that is the most valuable outsource partner to exhibit house and ad agencies that do business in the trade show and the business events space. How do we do that? Well, that's our mission, right? We do that by making the lives easier of the project managers, sales reps, and, and operations people that we do business with that give us projects. And how do we make their lives easier? Relentless, constant, innovating our own processes and systems, making it easier to do, and by the way, I believe if you do that, any contractor. Your processes and systems become a mechanism of you attracting new customer. more than your deliverables. How you are doing business becomes the most valuable thing. You're and you're able to create relationships with your clients that are not easily duplicated by your competitors. Yeah, would you agree?
1: That's brilliant. Yeah, that's fantastic. How do you,
0: a little bit of on a pragmatic side, how do you actually record them? Uh, do you write them so, down? Um, um the Again, the struggle, the struggle is real. And the struggle for me was so much of that is it's, you know, at the lizard nest in my brain, Martin is always kicked over. And so I was the guy that would think about him and I'm scratch padding and on this, and ultimately we got to a size where, you know, I had hired an administrative operations leader whose job was to document, not only okay. the, put these in writing. Um, but then the job descriptions to make sure, and again, that's another thing we're revisiting right now. Is we're by the way, this is not a position that ADOPS director. I've not hired that that position back yet. I'm only at about seventy percent of the headcount of where we were, which is probably one of the reasons we're wildly profitable. I have better people, but there's gaps everywhere in my my dedicated marketing. Kaliar hears me. Khalil hears me wax poetic about this regularly. Um, Mm -hmm. it's an important position and, um, you know, we're sort of using some freelancers right now until we're at a point where the critical operations positions are hired. I, I, but hear me now, you can't ignore the need to do these things, but I'm feeling every day that I don't have that, um, person. And and because the systems have changed Martin, right? We're a different company. We're, we do business differently. Our offering is, uh, is, is expanded or different. And, uh, so it requires us doing a better job, putting things yeah. in writing and then, and then training it on and, and just
1: for, for our, for a lot of our smaller listeners or listeners, the place you would capture those is in your contract and in your checklist that your project managers use. I mean, that's, yeah, yes, we, we definitely need more than that. Need job descriptions, all that, but. Uh, I really like to see people capture it in their contracts that at least you're dealing with these issues, you know, you're going to deal yeah. with,
0: you know, even I listen, we, we, we were all small business contractors to begin with. We were all soloists before we were small business owners. Um, so, you know what the issues are. And so, you know, I, I do feel the need um, and I and I remember Khalil talking about a three 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 plan about how you try and find time in your day to work on you know things other than the you know the tyranny of the urgent stuff, which by the way shows up every hour of every day. But but you've got to find the time. Just start keep a journal. Do do just write down the things that caused you pain today, um, last week when when you get some time from that note taking. You you know how you fixed it, or what you need to do, or what you can do better. But it starts with just documenting that, um, that, that pain, and whether it's you know hiring somebody to help you put that in an organized written way, or you find the time. I know when you're starting, it's it's so hard not to be a guy working in your company. You we all want to work on it, but um, it, it took me you know decades before I can say that's now my full time job. And by the way, it's liberating when you get to that point. It really is. <laughs> it feels incredible. And yet I still um, I still get pulled in. Um, and I hope we have a minute to talk about this. So everybody listening right now has sort of the known unknowns. Weather might be one for contractors. A certain type of material that you know is inconsistent on lead time delivery. So there's the known unknowns. It's the unknown unknowns that I am finding post-pandemic that are showing up more often, and I'll give you a great example: this current banking crisis, right? So I literally finally had a week off this year, and in the middle of that, you saw the Silicon Valley Bank collapse, and then the second one did. And so I'm—I told a story. I go, I said, "Holy cow!" You know, I'm—I'm I'm with a bank. Uh, that's all owned by Z- one of the banks is owned by Zion bank. And the, I, you know, I was reading those guys are having, there's a run on on deposits coming up. Are we insured? Well, you go, okay, FDIC insured for $250,000. What I learned was the insurance is for $250,000, not per account, but per account holder. So That'd if you do what cash flow for contractors preaches is, you have a payroll account, you have a sales tax account, you have a cost of goods sold account. You have a savings account. When I added up all the money in all those accounts at the bank, we were we were way more than that. And so I'm, I'm going, we've got to figure out what are we going to do? What's our strategy for storing excess cash that we need for the business? By the way, Martin, were you ever imagining when you started a company, your problem would be storing excess cash? I'm like, that's yeah. not me. I'm never going to be the guy with too much cash. But you know what? Yeah. As you grow you you may find so that anyway, there's an unknown unknown, and that became a big part of my job for a week as we decided, okay, you know we have some an investment account at Schwab, and you know it there's a five hundred thousand dollar protection with the money market, so let's move it there, and you know I'll keep enough in the accounts that it's under two fifty, but it's payroll and it's but the other stuff I can access within forty eight hours if I need, so anyway, it was it's just a really weird time right. in business right now. If you're a small business,
1: there was another unknown that happened. Gosh, twenty, twenty was it? Spring of 2020. What? What the heck was that? And you kind of referred to it already, Chris. Uh, a lot of contractors as a result of this unknown. Um, I refer to that
0: period as thrive, but you that, it shuts you down. That that, sh- that which shall not be named, Martin, is what we call <laughs> March of 2020. Yeah, if would would any of us ever have imagined? I mean, it's a science fiction movie—a global pandemic that literally shut down an industry. One of the things my industry—and I always took pride in—is I don't think any industry is recession-proof. But we always said the trade show industry was recession resistant because with 13,000 shows in every kind of horizontal and vertical market you can imagine, if finance was down, manufacturing was up. If healthcare was, was down, then um, consumer goods shows were raging, what, what, whatever the case was. I never dreamed crowds would be outlawed. Never, never yeah. imagined that, right? So I will tell you now, I'm buying the alien invasion insurance, Martin, because it's the only thing left. <laughs> is is the Will Smith, you know, Independence Day scenario, right? Yeah. And so I was reminded me- by somebody the other day. Oh no, there's films of UFOs. That's already happening. So probably can't get the insurance <laughs> yeah. for that.
2: Tell us a little bit about you. You referenced and alluded to it. Uh, just your business before the pandemic, and you said you were yeah. all things to all people. Kind of uh, just to describe a little bit of what. the the operation looked like how big you were, how many projects you were running, uh, what profit margins were like, all that kind of stuff. So, um, before pre
0: pandemic, we were, um, or BC before COVID. Um, and AD is after discovery of a new, of a new business model, um, So in 2018, as an example, we did business with 381 customers that year. 60% of my business was what we called labor-only jobs, which averaged about $2,800 per job. The rest, we were doing rental builds for a mix of um, exhibit house partners and still some brand side exhibitors, but but we were so conscious to never encroach on our partner's clientele. We had a we actually kept a separate database, which was a couple of hundred thousand uh deep. And if it was so if we ever did an IND labor job for a company for, you know, Flex Systems, um, if Flex Systems ever called us directly, we would say, you know, back away. We we can't work with you. Even if that Partner never worked with Flex Systems anymore. We just, it's just what we did to feel like we weren't betraying our customers. So, what we found was the end user exhibitors that were finding us were the downstream customers, the orphaned exhibitors that didn't have any professional help with their trade show exhibit program. And by the way, these are the discount your way to victory customers, the leave you for $100 cheaper customers to shop you every year customers, even if you did a great job, it was miserable. But we were chasing revenue for the sake of revenue because we thought revenue was the answer to Shangri-La, to to getting to where we wanted to be. So that revenue monkey would, would climb as high up in the tree and we would keep climbing and building infrastructure, ladders, steps, this, to try and keep up with them. And so fixed costs were going up. By the way, I'm teeing up for my wonderful experience in the death spiral, guys, because that was a a really interesting time. But um, so my point is, my brother Dan and I, who's an executive with my company, we went around the country into all the major markets where we had partners and the Griffin brothers came in and we brought in Panera catered breakfast and we brought in catered lunches and we said, here's who we are moving forward. And here's who we're not. And I remember in one, we were in the, in the Philly area, Philadelphia, and we were, we walked in and we were with 10 project managers and account managers having our Panera breakfast. And we were saying this to this company. We said, just so you know, guys, we no longer going to be doing this. This is what our focus is going to be. And the head of project management in the middle of a bite of a blueberry muffin, she goes, are, are you breaking up with us? Are these breakup muffins? And you we said, we're not breaking up, but we're just clarifying. And so here's my point. From 381 customers, the next year, we dropped to 171 customers we did business with. Cut them in half, more than half. Our, our revenue grew in 2019, 15%. No big deal, everybody grew in 2019. Our profits, our earnings climbed 400%. Martin, last year in 2022, we were, we were the most profitable we've ever been. We did, we did business with 45 customers. And I'm not saying shrink your way to success guys, but you know what the change was? We started choosing better customers. We charged, we wanted to, we did this cause we wanted the joy back in our lives. We were burning ourselves out, our employees out with, with these, you know, th- with chasing every type of revenue, you know, and. By the way, when we did that, we'd find 20 projects in the shop in one of our locations, but we, then one of our best customers would call, and we didn't have the capacity to take on their project. So we said, I want the joy back in my life. Let's, let's say no thank you. Let's define what that is. Let's, let's, let's create a system for um, the kind of work we want and the kind of people we want to work with. And so moving to that, I, I can't tell you how happy I am and again, I know you guys get it because you remind me of it. You know, profit's not a dirty word. I'm not gouging people if we're making money. We charge a fair price. We, de- we deliver exceptional service and, and offerings. And, um, you know, and we, I'll say no right now to more work than I'm saying yes to, to make sure I'm leaving capacity for those 45 partners that really are all in on us. So I'm all in with them. So that's kind of the, been the, the, the morphing and the evolution of who we've become.
1: Uh, that, that is such a tipping point. Um, I'll, I'll send you a quote I've got and I can't remember. Future proof your business. I can't remember yeah, the author's yeah, yeah. name. But he made a decision. And I've, I've got it highlighted and got a picture on my phone. And he said he made a list. And he sat down and wrote an email. And he, 60% of them said, we're no longer operating in this space. We'll help you. He said, I click send on New Year's Eve, and poof, 60% of his customers were gone. Which is and really unnerving. Then, tenfold net. And yeah. Well, and what the real lesson here is at some point, you reach a point that I'm not chasing the discount. I mean, you're not going to be the chasing that discount customer that's going to shop you for 100 bucks and slow pay you or no pay you or you're going to complain. You finally decide, I've had it. I'm going to do this to make money. Uh, you know, on your website, you talk at one point in there that one of your goals is to have fun. Absolutely. Well, it's profits not a sin, and neither is having fun. By the way, and a lot of times, profits are making, fun. Making profit profit's is fun. fun, Martin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really is. All the stress, lots of clients have past and present, that just this weight on your shoulders. If you're highly profitable, the same weight doesn't weigh anything. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, but you can also afford solutions, you know, bringing the right people, things like that. But that's gold. Yeah. That, matter of fact, we should make just an episode out of those words and air that separately, Khalil, we'll just so everybody hears yeah, that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well. No, it'll be a great clip. I think something else that I want to mention that you've we've talked about, uh, Chris, separately from here um, is payroll creep. And mm-hmm. I think it's a big thing that is, you know people are susceptible to, susceptible to whenever they are growing, whenever they're experiencing really profitable uh, seasons, whenever there's a huge demand for their, their product or their service. And I think that there's probably a lot of contractors out there that for the past couple of years have really experienced a lot of growth in their company and they've had to hire and even hire people at higher uh, yeah. price points than they typically were used to because of the, the way the labor market looked. And now things are slowing down a little bit, and I know people are probably feeling that payroll creep a little bit more, but maybe explain what that is and what you're trying to do to avoid it now you're you're operating like you said at seventy percent of where you used to be, yeah, uh, in terms of staff. so yeah, why don't you tell us a little bit more about that?
0: Well, so that keeps me awake at night right now is payroll creep making payroll used to keep me awake at night, and so i'm not sweating that <laughs> I'm not sweating that as much as is um is I worry about not applying the discipline of what we've learned um, really through, through, through you know, the revenue, chase revenue at all cost days and and the ad infrastructure and really ending up in the death spiral. And just again, just for a reminder for any of the listeners, um, if there's any of my listeners that hear this, by the way, guys, just so you know, Martin, I'm so influential, I can bring you tens and tens more. Uh, listeners, uh, <laughs> with your podcast, with my, yeah, which will my, be in my, the show notes. But yeah. really, for, just as a reminder, for the death spiral is when you, when you're you're running, you're managing your company, where you must get new deposits for tomorrow's projects in now to finish paying for jobs you're doing this month, or even cleaning up jobs from last month. So you really don't get to so that that begins a process where you're using tomorrow's money to pay for yesterday's jobs. And there's no happy ending if that happens. If you guys haven't heard the the CFC the capsule contractor episode on that, run to that one if if that's I, you. Because I told Chris before could, the
2: episode that for every time he mentioned something about a previous CFC episode, I'd give him a hundred dollars, and his his, oh, his if, bill is really isn't, running isn't up. Right isn't now.
0: there supposed to be a, yeah. an animated dollar sign that comes up every time <laughs> yeah, I get t-ching. one of those? That yeah,
1: will yeah, will you take a check, a written check?
0: Uh, oh, you're the you're one of those guys. <laughs> You're what we call I'm one of those you're, guys. you're what we call no thank you business. I think we need to make this as, as Khalil would say a necessary ending. A necessary ending. Yeah. Exactly. No, there what we'll do go.
2: is we'll 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 get next month's ad sponsors to pay for this month's episode with Out, you. Outstanding.
0: Yeah. Well, to, but to answer your point about payroll creep, um, so right now I'm trending what my revenue was in 2018. Actually, we're we're better than that at the 6-month mark this year. Um, and I'm doing that with 21 full-time employees back when it was 31 full-time employees last time. And I'm not saying I need the other 10. We're working like hell, Martin, to figure out a model that does. I have better people, so and and they're pro, and I think they're getting paid more. Some of that is market conditions. Some is it because they've got a higher higher skill set as critical thinkers. So I don't know if my total payroll is a third less it's it's Well, I know it's not a third less, but, um, what I love is from where we're applying what we learned in the death spiral days, because. We challenge each other. My, my leadership team challenges each other. Um, and a leadership team is a fancy word for saying, these are the people that you lean on in your company to help you make important. Do we really need that? Do we need another project manager or do we need a production manager? Do we need a field operations supervisor? Or, right, do we need an estimator or a CAD guy? Project managers are doing estimating. My project managers in the last 60 days have done 120 estimates. So the question is, is that, you know, they go, we need an estimator or help estimating. And I go, so guys, 62% of our revenue typically comes in the first six months of the year, historically, 38% in the second half. Are we feeling the, the, just the high season push now? So if I ran out and hired that full-time estimator, would we need him as much in the second six months? I love that internally we're having this discussion and we're challenging every addition to the payroll. Um, whereas before, if it was painful enough, we just we just went out and got him. Obviously, not happening as quickly because you can't find them yeah. as quickly. But um, yeah, this is um, I to your point. I'm I wear I call it you know, payroll creep. We're we're profitable. I paid out um, great bonuses in the first quarter, and and by the way, I did that because I believe that my employees should share in the upside as it's happening if they're doing the work. So in a way, it's an incentive to 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 take to take on the new behaviors I'm asking you to. My job is to come before you every quarter and report the state of the union, and I will tell you this is who we are, and this is. This is what we're doing. Here's what you get. Um, quick sidebar on this, Martin. So, it, so I didn't want to, I didn't want to wait to the end of the year to pay out um, because because I know that's too abstract for some people. But I also didn't want to pay full quarterly bonuses if we don't hit our goals in the other quarters. So, what we ended up doing, and if you're a contractor listening about possibly doing something like this, so quarter by quarter, we say here's what we've earned. We're gonna pay you half of what your quarter your bonus is for the quarter, and the other half will carry forward. If we keep hitting the goal, that'll happen every quarter. And in the fourth quarter, you get the full fourth quarter payout, and you get the carry forwards from one, two, and three. If we underperform, you're still gonna get something, but the company's not in a position where there's you know there's a pressure to claw back. You can't claw right. back once you pay. So I don't. I'd love your opinion on whether that's a good idea or a bad idea but
1: oh no, i think it's a, a brilliant idea the the connection the prompt connection between reward effort and reward is critical yes. and the other thing you didn't say it but i know it's true is that they see that their effort not you use the word abstract not some abstract effort their effort resulted in this benefit um the claw yeah you can't claw back i think that's brilliant there are certain ways that uh, people give golden handcuffs. Like yep. you get your bonus three, three months later, or I guess it'd be three quarters in your case, yep. you know? And so you get to look at it and make sure it's real, but they have an idea. I think, it's, I think it's brilliant.
0: And by the way, I, again, practicing what Khalil's preaching to me all the time, still got to have competitive compensation, right? On salary or hourly wage, still got to have, you know, benefits. You've got to make sure that there, a person can maintain or exceed, a, improve a quality of life thing. So, so I'm conscious that we've added a a, a, a tier one healthcare program in January. We we have never had, but finally have activated a retirement plan product, which for us was a simple IRA. That was the recommendation we got, and so, um, but because we have rolled out a profit sharing plan, uh, we we have. Um, we said there's a cap on, so if it's normally you know up to three percent, we put a cap on two thousand of matching towards retirement, two thousand dollars a year. So if if you're a hundred thousand dollar guy, we you know by law we could contribute up to, up to three thousand or three percent of that, but we're capping it at two because we're doing the profit sharing. And I put it to the employees, and I go, I can beef up your retirement, but it's probably going to change the way the nature of what we're doing on the profit sharing, which is a very healthy plan. Everybody loved love to keep the profit sharing right. they were thrilled with the retirement and oh by the way the other benefit and i'd you know maybe another episode we could come back and talk about what are we doing on talent acquisition and how do you recruit and keep the ones you have and all that stuff so um we've also added a mortgage assistance program which by the way if you're an owner and you're listening this costs me nothing but we have a friend who's a top mortgage broker um it's a, it's a great company and they said we we as a mortgage company if you have any employees that want to buy a home or refi we will contribute $5500 to the closing cost. doesn't cost the company anything um that's what th- this is not just a broker but they're actually the lender the financer it's a large group and they will offer this by the way they they're so they're finding in the in the strain on in their industry um they're looking not just to real estate brokers to help them get clients they're looking at small businesses and i thought okay this is an interesting thing so um i could khalil we can share that in the notes later if you I'm, want to know
1: i'm uh, yeah i'm having a lunch today with them today in three hours with a mortgage bank and uh that's going to be it's a great <laughs> uh,
0: yeah anyway i thought it was um and by the way yeah, i literally. might only have three i got i know i have got one guy he said um He's got two young boys and he goes, they're sharing a bedroom and we need a bigger place. So I know he's thinking about it. I have yeah. another executive who went through a divorce a few years ago and the house was sold in the process of that. He's rented a place and he's he he goes, man, I just, I hate not paying myself. You know, I, I, So whether this happens or not uh, for a large, I think it makes a statement to your employees. And by the way, this company created a website landing page for With my brand name on it and theirs, they're offering to do quarterly, monthly, annual updates from a a, a, an economist to let people know this is what's happening in the housing market. Um, Let's be honest, if you if you finance your house during these record, you know, three and a half percent, you're never going to refi your house again. But if you're buying a house for the first time, rates are what they are, and why not take advantage of any help you can get, which I thought was great. Yeah,
2: Yeah. Uh, that's fantastic. Yeah.
1: And I have to pass this on, too, because earlier you said people need to understand profit is not bad. Right. You can't do any of this if you spend every penny of revenue on the power bill and the trucking bill and the warehouse bill. Right. You have to make a profit. You have to. You do.
0: You do. There's no no two ways about it. And by the way, if you need to hear from a guy who tried to prove you can do it without making a profit, (laughs) I'm that guy. And I'm just telling you. (laughs) it's a, there's no path through there. That's a dead end street. Just let me just just pay. I paid the tuition. Let me just give you the the degree. Don't do
1: it. Yeah. That's the other thing. Everything comes from experience. Right. Yeah. Either yours or somebody else's and somebody else's is generally
0: a lot cheaper. Well, another phrase I love to coach my, my young managers with is, and you'll appreciate this. And it it applies to this. It's a Mark Twain quote. And it's when you carry a cat by the tail, you learn a lesson you can learn in no other way. (laughs) <laughs> I can tell you what that's like, Martin. But until I go, here's your cat, right? And you just, and you're, you're, so I, blame me. I've carried the cat by the tail on this one. I know what I'm talking about.
1: I'm a, I'm a huge Mark Twain Yeah, you're fan. speaking his huge, language, Chris. And I have not heard that.
2: Yeah. yeah. Well, oh. this has been great. I've, I've really enjoyed connecting you guys and having you on the show. Chris, it's always great to share your story with, with people, especially our listeners. And I think there's so much that they can take away from your experiences, like we've talked about, um, thank you for seeing our praises throughout. You've also got a podcast that uh, is really specific to your industry, but also valuable for other contractors as well. It's called Experience Builders, and uh, yeah, would love to share that with that with our listeners. We've got that in the show notes where people can check you out. Uh, also, a great follow on LinkedIn, not just showing showcasing what he's doing on his podcast, but also regular updates. Uh, from what it's like being in his space and being a business owner in the event industry, so check him out on LinkedIn. He's a great follow. We'll we'll link to that in the show notes as well. So, I, man, appreciate, Chris, I
0: appreciate the invitation, guys. Thanks for the discussion. Yeah. This is great. Any, I, I, I'll, yeah. I'll saddle up and ride with you guys anytime.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think we'll do that. Uh, getting on the idea of employee compensation that's fair to everybody would be a great Good episode. Yeah, great topic. Yeah, sure. I know. great, great episode. episode.
2: Well, cool. Well, thank you guys so much. We'll see you, Chris. Peace, guys.
1: Thanks for listening to The Cash Flow Contractor. Check out our website in the show notes or visit thecashflowcontractor.com.